name of Jesus, both physically and online, I welcome you, or we welcome you in the name of Jesus. Today's meeting is a meeting of destiny. You know, some of the greatest things in life happen in the most obscure places of the earth. When Jesus was born, he was born in a manger. He was born in an obscure place. The Bible tells us that Bethlehem was among the least of the places in Judah. Yet, out of Bethlehem was to come the Messiah. But you see, the Messiah did not also go to the best house in Bethlehem that was the least. He went to the least place in the least, in the least town of Judah. It was a very obscure place. So, out of obscurity, God loves to bring out reality. So I want you to be attentive to the Spirit of God and pick the Word. God loves to release His Word and allow you to dig and find the treasures therein. Because the secret things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children. That we may do the works and the works of the law. So today's... <coughs> program is entitled Rebuilding the Altar of Purpose. Rebuilding the Altar of Purpose. The way we are going to run the meeting is one, is in two parts. There are two parts of the message. In 2019, we did not go this way. So when God reminded us that you have this meeting to run this year, people are going. And many of them are going without an understanding of my plans for their life. We have to ask, Lord, what exactly are we going to share? So he gave this topic, rebuilding the altar of purpose. In 2019, we did more of a teaching on purpose. What purpose is? What are the steps and the faces of purpose? How is purpose progress? What are the attributes of purpose? How do you discern God's purpose in life? And we are still, you know, we began to, since that one was about a seven hour teaching, <clears throat> we started with Vanaya students, then started sharing with the younger ones because Vanaya, their own is, is emergency. So if you are already a youth, you are already out of um, university, you are working. If you have not, if you do not have an, a, a burning altar of purpose, yours is also emergency because God needs to, He needs to revamp you quickly. He needs to, He told me that He's going to retrofit people today. Retrofitting means you remove certain components and put new components. I need to lay a foundation, otherwise, we may not understand why we're doing all we're doing and why we're saying all what we're saying. When God gave us the assignment for our lives, our purpose. He told us is to help people know him as we are know him, 
to help them follow him as we are following him and to help them know the Holy Spirit so that he can open to them their purpose for life and we then as secondary guides Holy Spirit being the primary guide we will come alongside them till they begin, they kick off their purpose in life so that's the that's one of the primary assignments of this ministry to help people come to understand God's purpose for their lives and he told us he said at that time he said is it I want you to work with people from 0 to 30 years because by the time they are 30 I can't work with them so much he said they are hardened this was in 2014 he says they are hardened I cannot work with them if I'm going to work with them I have to break them in a very very dangerous way there are many of them are not ready to take such level of breaking so please reach them early and in the few years of ministry that God has blessed us with we have seen that it is true from university by the time people are say, young people are 17 18 19 they are already becoming difficult to 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 to, to form because satan has started imputing different kinds of seeds into their lives some have already started experimenting with drugs experimenting with sex experimenting with all kinds of things and they have become unusable vessels but god is 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 calling out he's crying out seriously i'm really trying to drop a basis for us another thing the lord has told us recently i've told you what he told us in 2014 i want to tell you what he said recently well we're having a time of prayer this morning because we are also on a 21 day prayer to help people exercise themselves in the spirit at midnight not in the day so from 11 30 to um 1 a.m we are going to be praying for the next 19 days it is a preparation for our prophetic activation weekend that will be happening at the end of the month. He said that we are at a time where he's no longer raising so many churches. He's not sending people, many people to, to raise churches. I'm not saying that you will not see churches being formed. Neither am I saying that anybody that is starting a church is wrong. No. But the emphasis has moved from churches to armies. He is not bothering himself. The era of raising churches in Nigeria has, it has he is satisfied to an extent, but now he's raising armies. And what are the constituents of armies? They are soldiers. End-time soldiers, kingdom soldiers. People who will carry the gospel and the kingdom of God into all frontiers and mountains of influence. That is what God is doing now. And... I will say this, it can be checked in the days to come. The armies is raising, he is setting different captains to raise armies for him. And these captains have been given an equal opportunity to go and conquer the hearts of men for the Lord. And whatever they conquer is what they keep as an eternal reward and this phase is going to be consummated 
from the end of this year, by the time we are entering into the new Hebrew year, from five, around the new the Hebrew year starts from September 6th. I don't want to go into details about that, but it is called the head of the year. And he told me, say, in the next seven years, those that are going to determine the next 40 years of Nigeria are going to the next years. Our fathers, Daddy Adeboye, Daddy, they have done their work. They have established themselves. And this is where I will peg the revelation. You can check it. Thank God this is recorded. If it is God, fight. Then glory to his name. If I am wrong, then I take the responsibility for the wrong word. So in the next seven years, you will hear a new crop of names. Those our daddies will still be there, but they will be there as fathers of fathers. And why am I saying all this? Because there is room for you. There is room for you and I. God is asking you to hear his cry. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and take your place. That's what God is saying. Anyway, this is not to be... It's just for your information and for you to do what you will do with it. So today we are going to summarize what purposes, then we'll take some time to pray, then we will not hit the real rebuilding of the altar of God and we'll have administration and God will bless our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so a few things that we're going to be looking at today is the aim of this meeting is to sensitize you to the reality of God's purpose for every man. Not to teach in depth, but to sensitize. Emphasis on discovering that purpose also for your life. Because it's one thing to be aware, it's another thing to know how to discover. And that you ought to discover. Thirdly, a revelation of the destroyers of this altar of purpose. A revelation of the rebuilding steps of this altar of purpose, then calling that fire on the altar. The purpose of an altar is for it to be a sacrifice. And there is no sacrifice that is a living thing that does not receive fire. It needs fire for it to become fully an offering. So these are the five things now. Starting with the beginning. <coughs> So you may not hear me bringing out those points, but I've told you what the aim of the meeting is. God's purpose for each one of his children is to become transformed into the image of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like us to open our Bibles to 2 Timothy verse 1 verse 9. Unless somebody read, um, can you just, there are mics. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Anyone with a mic can read please. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 it says, He has saved us and called us to the holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So, another person should read Ephesians 2.10 and 
and another person should get ready for Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 to 11. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 to 11. Please give the other, use the this mic. Uh, you take Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 to 11. Ephesians 2 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ, in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has before ordained, that we should walk in them. Amen. And the last one. And to explain to everyone that God is the Savior of the Gentiles too, just as He who made all things had secretly planned from the very beginning, and His reason to show to all the rulers in heaven how perfectly wise He is, when all of His family, Jews and Gentiles alike, are seen to be joined together in His church, in just the way He had always planned it, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we have about three different scriptures. And every one of them has to do with the purpose of God for man. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible tells us that we were called according to his own purpose into a holy calling. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, God tells us that this purpose was foreordained. God has foreordained us to walk in certain kinds of good works. He put it in plural. He didn't say in good work. Every one of us have good works that have been ordained to us. You know, when I was researching and preparing for 2019 meeting, I discovered something about this Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. The verb that was used to say you were created in Christ is poema. And it was explained clearly that poema is the same verb that is used to create poems. So, God created you and I as special poems. And you know that every poem is not the same. Every poem is distinct. You are a distinct creation masterpiece of God. And as such, the works that you are meant to produce are distinct works unto your generation. That you were brought forth in this millennium is not a mistake. That you were selected for this century is not a random guess. That you were released in your house and in your, your family, your tribe, they are all parts of God's delicate, sensitive creating of a poem. But what did God do? Why did he do this? He did this so that in you and I, together as distinct poems, will release the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly beings now, not in future. He said that, might be, that it might be shown that the manifold wisdom of God may be shown to the heavenly beings. Let me, let me, I don't want to paraphrase it. It says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Okay, verse 10, 3 verse 10. To the intent. Intent means purpose. Reason for doing that thing. That now, not tomorrow. Not in the age to come. It starts now. 
that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known the, by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So God has kept his manifold wisdom. All the creation he did in time past, all the things that he has done, is still not up to what he intends to reveal through your life and my life. This is the purpose of God for your life. And what is the purpose? The purpose is to do his will. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 to 11, God shows us that we will need to collaborate with God until all men have heard the gospel and the fullness of the bride of Christ comes to pass. But how does God bring about his purpose on earth? He uses ve vehicles. And what are these vehicles? They are men. And we see this pattern. We see this pattern in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord made the Lord Jesus Christ a pattern for us. He said, being that they are flesh and blood, he also made the captain of their salvation to be flesh and blood. Otherwise, Jesus would have been disqualified from being our deliverer. He needed to be like us. And since he's our deliverer, we all need to follow him. And that's why 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, He that abided in him also ought to walk even as he walked. So the pattern of Jesus' life is, is it has in it all the principles of us. All the principles that we need to fulfill purpose. Jesus. How did Jesus walk concerning his purpose? I'd like us to open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 to 7. <clears throat> this is a highly condensed teaching on what purpose is. I said last year, <clears throat> excuse me, last two years, it took us about seven hours to even touch the first module of it. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 to 7. We will see how Jesus fulfilled his purpose. Anyone can read please quickly. That is why that is why Christ said as he came into the world, O oh God, the blood of bulls and goats cannot satisfy you. So you have made ready this body of mine for me to lay as a sacrifice upon your altar. We are not satisfied with the animal sacrifices, stay and burnt before you as offerings for sin. Then I said, See, I have come to do your will. To lay down my life, just as the scriptures said that I could. Amen. So you see, when it came to the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was hinged on one major thing. He says, Sacrifice and thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. The Lord Jesus could not fulfill his agenda unless he had a prepared body. Because it was that body that was going to carry the sins of the world the same way the goats in the time of the old covenant used to carry the sin of the people. For Moses commanded Aaron by the word of the Lord that he should select two goats. One will be sacrificed, one will be its neck will be slit and the blood collected. The other one, Aaron will lay his hands upon the goat and there will be a transference of the sins of the people 
and that goat will go into the wilderness. And I was just pondering, God, what kind of wahala would have be befallen that goat that day? Because imagine what sin is doing to human beings. Then all the sin of Israelites will be packed on the head of one goat. I don't think that the Bible didn't give us details, but I believe. Because as I was imagining, I was as I was pondering, I was I'm not saying this is scripture, this is subjective. We need to separate the objective and the subjective. But I am persuaded that that goat will not remain alive. You see, when a spiritual man lays hands, there is transference. But in this case, this was a transference of sins of Aaron and all the people for a whole year on one goat's head. So for Jesus to be able to bear the sins of the people, he needed to have a prepared body. This is the pattern God has given us. Now you may be asking, okay, am I supposed to bear the bodies of people? No, you are supposed to bear the sufferings of Christ upon your body. You are supposed to make your body a living sacrifice. So it's the same pattern. Amen. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 6, God gives us an insight into why this is the pattern. He says, he tells us that we should, I beseech you therefore by the message of God, that you should present yourself as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable form of service. It is your reasonable form of service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he moves from the body to the mind. So he has talked about the body. He has now talked about the soul, because the mind is in the soul. You have three aspects of your soul, the mind, which is the intellect, the emotions, and your will. But God is like, God is saying, it's not like, God is saying that as Jesus had a prepared body, our bodies also need to be prepared. But what is going to cause our bodies to be prepared is a renewal of our mind. Are we together? Are we together? Okay. It's a renewal of our mind. And when our minds are renewed, then we will be able to appreciate what God wants us to do with our bodies. But it does not stop there. In verse 3, he goes on to say, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to as God has dealt to every man the measure of it. Now, we have moved from the body, we have come into the, the soul, now we are moving to the spirit. Because faith is a spiritual substance. Faith dwells in the heart. Until your faith moves from your, your understanding of God's word, moves from your mind, and comes into your heart, it cannot do you any good. So, God has given you a body to fulfill his purpose. But until your mind is renewed, you cannot access the grace that is given unto you in your spirit. Amen. And why is this grace given to you in your spirit? Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we be many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. 
having them gates differing, having them gates differing. We are one body, but there are differing gates according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, whether um, now I'm not going into the body gates here. I'm going into the principle. God has given to each one of us different gifts, and these gifts are meant to be used in a certain way. There are two ways these gifts are supposed to be used. These abilities, these inherent things that God has deposited in your spirit from the moment you were created. And will only be activated when you come into Christ. They are to be used towards the body of Christ. That is inward in Christ. So your giftings, your abilities, your appetites, your passions, your God-given passions, you are supposed to use it to, 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 to bless the body of Christ till it is built up in love according to Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 10 down to 16 but the second way is outward from the body towards the world towards the world towards the unsaved so your giftings of teaching of preaching to the body you can also use it to preach to those that are without Preaching is prophesying. Your gifts of mercy that you use to help those who are needy in the church is also the same mercy you will use for those who are in IDP camps and use it to share the gospel of Christ. God has proposed you to do things through your entire being, your spirit, your soul, and your body, just as Jesus did. Amen. Now, there is a particular channel that God wants us to walk through. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 to 23, you find that God has decided to walk upon the earth through man, majorly. Though he has angels, it says the heavens, even the heavens of heavens belong to God. But the earth has it given to the sons of men. So, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23, we see that God tells us that we are his body. He says, and I put all things under his feet. His feet is part of his body. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now God has decided that he's going, his glory is going to fill the whole earth. He has decided that his glory is going to fill every region. And his glory is going to be emanated through us, the church. You may be wondering what does this have to do with purpose we are getting there. Every mountain of influence... The church is going to dominate it. It's not a matter of amen. The word of God has already said it. But the issue God has now is the people. I don't want to get ahead of myself. The glory of God is going to fill the whole earth. As the waters cover the seas. Every locality, every new cranny of the world is going to be filled with the glory of God before Jesus comes. That is the, that is the glory of the bride of Christ. So don't think that uh, because things look bad today, the pandemic has slowed down so many things, 
that uh, the Christians are going to be handicapped. No, 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 no. The Christians are going to take the glory of God into all the world. They are rising. And that's why he's raising armies. That is the purpose of God for these times. Now, there are seven mountains of influence, and it is also with regard to the issue of purpose. In the course of time, we are at the elementary stages in our discipleship of purpose, on our purpose discipleship in this ministry. Those that have been um, that have been committed have been learning gradually. But we are going to get to the point where you start to identify the mountain God has called you to. To the glory of God, anyway, let me list them first so that we follow. We have the mountain of family. You see, when Satan wanted wants to do anything in war, he attacks the family first. Why? Because the family was the first institution that God created. When he affects the family, he can affect every other thing. When he reduces the effectiveness of the family, naturally, once there are broken homes, there are broken children. The emotions, the lives of the parents are broken. He can introduce fornication. He can introduce adultery. And you know that these things are things that Satan needs to propagate other evil, evil ideas of his. If he did not break the family, he could not have brought things like homosexuality and, and lesbianism. He could not have. It is because the father, you know, we saw a video recently. I, I believe some of you have seen it. I wanted to write something and post it online. There was a picture, it looked like a very humorous video. A father stood on the left, a mother stood on the right. They had two children, a boy and a girl. That boy cannot be more than three or four years old. And the girl cannot be more than two years old. They can walk, they can run. And suddenly the father, all muscular and, you know, built up. It's, I think it was in, uh, in one of these developed first world countries, according to what they call them. This suddenly the parents just ran away the mother ran towards the right the father ran towards the left and the children suddenly they just started looking what's happening here what's happening here what's happening here in this in less than three seconds the boy just in his sense he was older he just looked towards his mother he just followed his mother the younger girl followed the mother too the father was left alone and he looked very funny. Then they did it a second time. It's, by then they did it a second time, the boy was already alert. At the father took off, at the mother took off, the boy followed the mother. The younger one followed the mother again. And lastly, they did a third time. This time the father did not allow the children to take off. He just grabbed them and started running. Because he had found out that they will not follow him. And he looked oh, so funny. As I was looking at it, the Holy Spirit just rebuked me instantly. I said, why are you laughing? He said, why are you laughing? He said, this is what Satan is doing to the world. This is, he's trying to make people more comfortable with the fact, with, 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 with divorce, with separation. For in the beginning, it was not so. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. But the world is propagating a message of splitting, of separatism. Of you can be a single mother, it was not so from the beginning. If you can be a single father, you cannot function that way. You are creating a broken child or broken children. So, God is looking for people who will go to the mountain of family and restore understanding, teaching, apostles, prophets.
Christians that are filled with the Spirit of God, bringing out things that will cause families to stay together. Programs, teachings, fun things that will make families stick together. The second mountain is the mountain of faith. That's where you have religion and all that. God is looking for people that will enter into those mountains also. Those, many of them are full-time um, Christian ministers. The fivefold ministry. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. Apart from that, you also have other people like administrators. There is not only the fivefold. So many people have been there. It is written in the code of their of their spirit to be sent to that, that mountain. But a lot of them don't know. They are in school. They are they are firing for God in every way. They are the papa. They are the this thinking that they will run with division. Because there was something that was calling them, calling in them, shouting in them, this is for you. But when they finished school and first band dropped his offer, they, became, they didn't see again. Some of them that did geology, Shell just gave them um, SRD, Shell Recruitment Day, and they passed and they could not see again. All the visions of God flew off. So they are in another, they are, they are on a mountain of, of education where you have science and all that and technology, but they are not, they are not fruitful because the word of life is on there, is, it, has been, it has been implanted in them. The coding to be able to understand God's word has been put in them, but what are they doing? They are doing, they are facilitators and teachers of presentations in organizations when they were supposed to be teaching God's word. The mountain of faith. You have the mountain of economy, of finance. It's also usually called the mountain of commerce. God needs spirit-filled children of God handling the affairs of the, the economy of nations. The economy of Egypt and the whole world was in the hands of Joseph, a kingdom man. The economy of Babylon, the whole world was in the hand of Daniel. What is wrong with us today? Joseph was forced, the prime minister of Egypt, but because there was hunger in the whole world and only Egypt had food, therefore the money of the whole world came to Egypt. And it came into the hands of Joseph. And he managed it well. There was no issue of um, the palatine, because that's like palatine. You know those, those places? The stores have, must have been very magnificent. Like our palatine stores that uh, people were looting all over the all over the country in the last few months. He did not hurt them. He says, and Joseph opened all the treasure houses, all the storehouses rather, and sold food to the people. We did not hear that that food finished. He managed the money, the gold and the silver. He bought up all the land for Pharaoh. He was a good steward. God is trying to raise, he's calling men to this mountain today. You see, there are some people that want to do business because they like money. There are some people that need to do business because it's God's plan for their life. But you need to know which one is your own. You should not be chasing business when God has called you to faith. You should not be trying to be a pastor when God has called you to family. Except you are a pastor unless you are on the mountain of faith and the mountain of family. Because there are some pastors that's their true calling. To restore the, the sanctity and the glory of the family. Amen. You have the mountain of media. Oh, this mountain has dealt with the world in the last two years. Severely. It's more than two years, but in the last two years we have felt the effect of the mountain of media. 
maybe has to do with the air. The Bible says that those who are in the, those who those who walk in, in the former lost are under the power of the prince of the air. Media is airwaves, internet airwaves, Wi-Fi, radio waves, GSM is the air. The prince of the power of the air. Satan is the god of this world that has been that has been illegally ruling on the mountain of media. And that is why when something is true, they pervert it and give us something that is wrong. And people are swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. Because there are no God-ordained soldiers and generals on the mountain of media. Some of them have risen like Sidroth, propagating what God can do and the power of God of the supernatural for people to see and to believe. And many have come to Christ. A lot of Jews have given their life to Christ. But because there are not many people on that mountain, people like um, what's his name now? Um, this man of God, oh Lord, remind me, the one that received great authority from Smith Wigglesworth that worked with Howard Carter, Lester Sombra. God ordained him also to, to go on the mountain as an apostle, but God also gave him power to enter the mountain of media. God is looking for you, God is looking for many of us. To send there, you think that you start a church, you cannot have influence. No, you can be a newscaster and, and be bringing glory to God every day. Creating an atmosphere for God's truth to permeate the lives of men. Next, the mountain of arts and entertainment. We have a lot of our people here. Those that love music. We see children today, babies, the moment they play a song, they are already moving up and down, they are already bouncing on their leg because it is ingrained in that child to love arts and entertainment. My wife used to tell me somebody that was dancing for a company where she worked, that this girl was just dancing, dancing, dancing for hours, dancing. And she even told her, calm down. The girl came out of where they were dancing and she was still dancing on the spot. Why? It is in our calling to be on this mountain. But how you go upon that mountain matters. Either you are for God or you are a vessel of Satan. There is no in between. Please, let's stop deceiving ourselves. You are a minister of God and the moment you go to church, you are moving the beats of the club into the church. And some of us know, we may not have heard that beat before, but once we hear the beat, we know this is not of God. And say, we just stop dancing because you are not going to defile our own sanctuary. Rather than allowing the music of God to permeate the world, you see, there are, there's a battle on the mountain. The, the major battle is between the spirit and the flesh, and they don't agree. So you cannot say, I'm doing a little of this and a little of that. No, it doesn't work. You, you cannot have to master it. You either serve one and despise the other. So when you are a music minister, you play the instrument and you, you cannot trust God. You cannot fast and pray. God, who told you the instrumentalists cannot go in three days fasting? Prophesying on their instruments and asking God to release a new sound. Is the sound of Don Moen the same thing as the sound of Travis Green? It's because there's a new sound for every season. When God moves, brings a new movement into the world, He brings a new sound to follow it. He brings the ministers that proclaim those things. When Israel was going to conquer Jericho, he gave seven priests a lamb, he gave them lamps on trumpets to blow. It was a certain kind of sound. 
and also the sound of triumph. Did you hear them shouting in Egypt? Did you see anything about that? There was nothing like that. But when they got into the realm of victory, the sound that they were given. The sound of the Old Testament during the time of Moses, is it the type of sound in the time of David? David was giving insight on how to make instruments. He was working with the harp. It was a different kind of sound. Are we together? So every every move of God, this is just for people on arts and entertainment. God has given you ideas to bring out all kinds of things that can 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 celebrate Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But we celebrate self. It is a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And anytime this is let me just give you this key. Is is what I'm persuaded of. Anytime you are ministering and your body feels like it is excited and is exciting itself by what is being sung, by what is being played, you are playing in the flesh. But when your spirit is being elevated and you eat in your visions are coming as you close your eyes, as you minister, you are seeing the Lord, you are thinking of the Lord, you are not thinking of how you are going to dance and everybody will know that you are dancing well. Or you are not thinking of the lady that is dancing in very tight clothing. Because you see, what you minister, oh God, worship, is a, a, music is, is, is the means of worshipping gods. And Satan perverted the worship of God because he knew how to worship God. And brought it to worship demon gods. And that's why you see, when there are certain kinds of music, fornication and adultery follow naturally. Because it is part of the kind of worship that was done in pagan shrines. They worship with music, then they move and begin to sleep with themselves in honor of those demon gods. So when you see people, this person was not thinking of doing anything evil. But because the song is prophesying into our ears, it's prophecy. Is the prophecy of those devilish gods. A prophet is the mouthpiece of a deity, of a god. He's not only of, of Yahweh. That's why he's called a prophet of the Most High. Elijah said, before the Lord who I stand, he knew the God, the prophet of whom he was. So when all these musicians that you are seeing today, that are singing perverted things into the world, they are prophets of the gods of self. And many of them ingrained in them is to, are to be ministers of the Most High God. But they cannot but respond to what God has put in them. They only need to determine how they will use it. Amen. Amen. The mountain of politics. God expects his children to enter the realms of politics. Because when the, right, the, the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. Rulership is the blessing and the right of those that belong to God. Because all dominion belongs to him on earth. All dominion. He gave Adam dominion. He said subdue the earth. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And even over the earth itself. And that was why people like Joshua, when they stood into their place in God, People like Moses, they could command the sun to stop. They could command the earth 
to open up. Moses commanded the earth to open up, and people fell from the earth into hell. Do you think that is that is dominion? That's dominion. But if you go to Deuteronomy, it says, "And Moses as a king in Israel." If you check any other place, it's not written like that. I don't know whether it's Deuteronomy 33 or 32, when he began to bless Israel as a king in Jeshurun. He was a king. But when you see some pastors today, because they are just talking around, you don't know that they are kings. They are kings. In God's order. That's why Jesus is the king of kings. For God is our king. God is our lawgiver. God is our judge. Jeremiah 33 verse 22. Politics is meant for the children of God, but it is not for those who are not sent there. If you are not sent there, if you don't have a kingly anointing, if you don't have a kingly calling, you will just die cheaply or you'll be perverted. God needs his children to know those who are called there. Amen. Amen. Education is the seventh mountain. Today, because of the devilish teachers and educators in the world. A lot of children are being taught evil. When they call, oh, this fellowship is happening. So, 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 fellowship is happening in South Africa. Let all the young leaders send their CV. And you find out that most of the Christian youths who have been taught like Daniel, who have been seasoned like David, are the ones that are applying. They want to be the best. They want to be the, but the person that is sponsoring that bill, Sponsoring that, that fellowship, sponsoring that all paid expense is a person that propagates adultery, abortion, um, um, homosexuality, LGBT in the world. And you think that out of his fellowship is going to come out good for you? A good tree brings forth good fruits, and a bad tree brings forth bad fruits, for by their fruits ye shall know them. So when somebody is forming like a philanthropist, and he's saying, oh, I am, I'm, I'm calling the young, they are selecting the cream, the la cream, those that have, Satan does not create anything. He looks for the choice people. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He said, get me among the royal seed and among the princes, those young men who have aptitude, aptitude to learn and can learn languages, they could not create those things. They have to select from what God has created. It is the same way Satan is selecting among God's children today because they have not discovered God's purpose for their life to stay upon the mountain he has called them to, do, to be. Many of them are not wait, ready to go through the process of God to make them and enter into that mountain. So they go through the shortcut. They go through Satan. And a lot of times Satan does not come as, as, as Satan. He comes as, as an angel of light. And you see Christians canvassing, voting for men who are propagating abortion. Abortion of even nine-month-old children. Children are just one or two days. There are some laws in the U.S. that permit such that they, that they will kill a child that is nine-month-old just because he has not been delivered. That is the battle the children of God in the U.S. are fighting now because they were sleeping. They didn't have people on that mountain to fight. When the people in the mountain of politics were supposed to be making legislation of life, they slept 
and the children of darkness were making legislation of death. It's a choice between life and death. There is collaboration between all the mountains. So these teachers, some of them, oh, we tell some, some people don't know that their calling is to be a teacher. Not even just in the church, but in the educational system. They know they love to teach, but they love money. And because Nigeria has not gotten to the point where they pay teachers very well, they follow money and forget calling. So they that were supposed to teach the kings of tomorrow, they are scorned, they abdicate their responsibility. And as they abdicate, Satan always goes to go and fill in those precious places. He knows. And you see somebody who is a pervert, who, who, is, who is an addict, going to be a teacher. And even if he does not teach the children rubbish, he begins to molest the children. He begins to abuse them. And their, their soul, their precious soul is contaminated early. In extreme cases, some of them are servants of Satan that go directly to the educational system and they go very early. So that they can grow up through the ranks. And by then they become commissioner of education, they begin to propagate evil. We have it in Nigeria. Some of them want to remove Christian religious studies from, from the... Why? Because there are no children of God with a voice on those mountains. And you are wondering why the, God's children are pursuing different things and they are not prosperous. Because they are not following the kingdom of God first and in righteousness. That is the only assurance of prosperity for the children of God. And that's why God is telling you today so that you will discover your place. You will be hungry for God's will for your life. You will refuse to abdicate. You will refuse to compromise because you are going somewhere. You will be like Abraham that has caught a vision of God's promise. And you will pursue it with all your life. Amen. So this is a, a brief summary of all these mountains. And how God wants his glory to shine upon these mountains through you and I. When we have discovered God's purpose. We carry these bodies there with our renewed mind and the giftings of God in our spirit and we begin to manifest the glory of God and the power of the Holy Ghost on these mountains till the glory of God is radiating in all the world. Amen. As a result, you see that since there are seven mountains and only one is the mountain of faith, not everybody will be a full-time minister. Thankfully, because of the way God called me, I got to understand that not everybody is called to full-time Christians, Christian ministry, um, Christian, um, I'm trying to use the right word because it's not a career. It's a calling. But we are all called to be full-time Christians. The Bible says, I think it's First Peter 40, and as every man has received the gift, let him minister the same unto others. You are a minister whether you like it or not. I tell you that today with all authority and all confidence. You are a minister because the word of God says it. But you may not know. If you have not allowed God to touch you. If you have not allowed God to speak to you. If you have not discovered the place of your assignment. And if you don't discover the place of your assignment. You are a wanderer. I am sorry to say. You are a wanderer. You will wander around the world. You will wander from one business to another. You will sell shoes. You will open petrol station. You will start building as You will just be confused. You will make money. Your children will be fine. Chubby cheeks. Your wife will be robust. You yourself will have tummy. You don't know that you have a problem. 
when you get to God and say, God, I have come, you say, with what? Where is your work? First Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that everybody's work will be tested with fire. When fire touches you, see that you are building something that does not mean it will last. It doesn't mean it will last. God wants you to build what will last the test of time. So don't be excited by everybody that they call successful today in your church, in different ministries. This person is successful. He has done this. Uh, sorry. Jesus is the test. is the one that tells what success is. The word of God is what shows us what true success is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things shall be added unto you. But I tell you today that his righteousness is upon all the mountains. So, you see, your desire to do business is, may not be wrong. It may be from God. But the question is, is it to, 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 to establish the kingdom of God or is to establish your empire? Have you discovered the kingdom keys that God has prepared for you, for your generation, and for the generation coming after? Did God give you that business acumen so that you will turn the wood of Nigeria into exportable furniture? But you are using your business acumen to go and import furniture into Nigeria. You see, it's a total misdirection of purpose. You will always use what God gives you. You may just use it wrongly. You will always use it. Because you don't have any other thing. It's what you have you will use. Almost all the music ministers, not ministers, music, uh, um, worldly music uh, musicians in the world, many of them were trained in church. But they became perverted. So you have to decide how you are going to use your life. There is a compulsory delegation of Christians by the Father to all these areas. It can come in any combinations. Whether it is white collar job God calls you to do, whether it is nine to five job, whether it is self employment, God will allow somebody to do self employment because he needs their time. He won't allow any boss to be telling them to go, he wants them to calculate their own time because he needs them in missions. He needs them to go to communities where nobody will go there. He will give some of them NGO jobs. He will send some people to civil service because he needs an auditor general that will not change the figures. So when you look at some of these people that go to these areas, you should not feel bad. Some of them are in their calling. But God does not want you to stumble into your purpose because it's very difficult to stumble your purpose. The only way you can stumble into your purpose is by Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight thyself in the Lord and you grant thee the desires of their heart. When your desires are so aligned with God, then it is possible to stumble. But God does not want stumbling children. He wants sons. Sons that hear the will of their father. The Bible says that Jesus set his Jerusalem. Why? Because he knew it was a sacrifice that needed to be offered. When he wanted to pass through Samaria, they did not allow him to pass because they wanted him to stay and he did not want to stay. He set his face to go to Jerusalem at the time. He needed to die on a certain day on Passover. So if they delayed him, it would delay his getting to Jerusalem. And he said, No. He said, No. Sons are people that know the timing of the Father. You see, we are not going into timing here, but let me just drop it here. That you know your purpose does not mean you will fulfill it if you don't follow God's timing because there's a calendar. That's why you were born when you were born. Acts chapter 1 verse 7. It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which God has set in his own power. 
so the exact timing and season is God's business. Your own is to read the signs of the time. Jesus said we can read the signs of the time, but you cannot know the exact time. So when you start to see the signs, you follow the signs. When you follow the signs, you will be alert during the time. So that you have purpose. Oh, my wife is the only one that will understand this. You see, God has, <laughs> there are certain times that some seasons came upon us. And God showed us, you people are wasting time. You better enter. Because if you miss a season, it's like rainy season. If you miss this year's rainy season, you have to wait till the rainy season of next year before you can do what God wants you to do. And if it was only for one season, then you have missed that thing for life. You've missed it. So there is an aspect of timing in purpose, but that's not what we are talking about today. So we are talking about God sending people to different aspects of the uh, mountains of influence. Children would take their roles as Jesus took his assignment, ready to die for the truth. People who are for kingdom establishment and are there, they are not there for money. They are not there for training. Oh, I love the training of PWC. I love the training of KPMG. Oh, the training of um, foreign affairs is so excellent. No, they are not there for that. When they go to foreign affairs, they be God has inculcated it in their heart. They were 16 years old. You are going to be an ambassador unto the nations. He has sent his prophecy into some of them. He has put it in their heart. And as they begin to love God, the passion increases. Why? Because God needs them to have authority in that land and, and open doors for other members from their country who are Christians, who are kingdom-minded people to enter. Diplomatic authority. When you travel internationally, there are different gates that you pass. If you are in common, when you get to another country, you will see there is a path for indigenous of that country. There is a path for foreigners, then there is a path for diplomats. If you are a foreigner and it is by your passport, if you are a foreigner, you have a different passport. You have to show your visa. If you are indigent, you don't need visa. You just walk to that line. They look at your passport. Welcome, welcome. They speak to you in language. They stamp your passport. You enter. If you are a diplomat, is it person that suffers most? Is the foreigner because they can still send him back. <laughs> they can still send him back there. If they don't like, is it the immigration look at him? Please enter this room. Then they enter the room. They search him. They question him. They do this. But you see that diplomatic passport. Oh God, God is great. When you hold a diplomatic passport, you are a member of UN, you are a member of WHO, you just pass. You will go straight oh God. You will go to the, to the beginning of the line. You will go to the beginning of the line. The line can be long. There can be 100 people on the line. A diplomat will just pass. Why? Because of the passport. God has ordained some people to be ambassadors so they will use that their authority to help other people in land. You will be an ambassador to a country that persecutes Christians so that your Christian, um, um, what do you call it, indigenous that are there, you will be a shield to them because they cannot come into your house. They cannot attack you as an ambassador. You see, God has created all these avenues for children of God to excel, but we are not seeing it. We are not taking it. Meanwhile, what do you want to be? I want to be a producer. I mean, a producer. Uh, yes, you start looking for money up and down. You want to wax your album. You want to do this. Meanwhile, God wants you to create evangelistic songs that will win millions. It's a total misdirection of purpose. 
So God wants you to be like Jesus who took his assignment seriously and was ready to die. God wants you to be ready to lose promotions at work. He wants you to be ready to die for the truth as an elected senator. They say, no, you will pass this bill. You are the only one left in your party. And if you don't put your hand, that, 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 that law of abortion, that law of, 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 of cutting people's wages and making the rich richer and the poor poorer will not be passed. And you say, no, I am not going to sign this bill. They say, eh, is it because you are from South South? We will deal with you. Is it because you are from North East? Your own people will come to you and tell you, no, you must sign this bill. You say, no, I am not voting for it. We will kill you. You can't kill me. And even if God allows you to kill me, you will still not get You see these four years, I will sit down this chair. Can't pay. You frustrate the world of, of darkness because you are there. That is kingdom establishment. You are either pushing God's kingdom forward or you are pulling God's kingdom down. There is no in-between. And for everything that you do against the kingdom of God, you will be held accountable. I assure you. You and I. God needs sold out children. Sold out children. Children that have sold their life to him and not collect change. People that will not compromise their faith. Sons and daughters who know who they, why they are where they are. They are in a particular ministry. Because God has told them 10 years, 20 years ago that I'm going to set you on I as the DJ of this ministry. And he has given them a certain agenda that they must fulfill. And the idea people are battling them, people are bamboozling, they are doing all kinds of things to them. But they don't, they don't give up. They tell them, retire now, and you have spent some years, your pension is good, you have done investment, you have your own private business. Retire, he says, no, I cannot retire. And he cannot explain to them why he cannot retire, because it's a secret between him and God. Because there's a timing for his appearance. When he will undo all the works of darkness and establish righteousness on that land. But there are many people that don't know why they are where they are. So when a job comes, they have three jobs, and what makes them to choose is how much money is being paid. Which one has the finest house and the best allowances? It's not always like that. Amen. God needs people who will enjoy the suffering no matter the time taken, no matter the reproach faced in getting to where God wants them to get to so that children. These are the kind of children God is looking for and making today. These are they who will walk by faith and who will obtain a good report at the end. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 tells us that the elders obtain the good report. Many Christians are not living to obtain a good report today. Purposeful sons and daughters of the kingdom. It is enough that we should we should be pursuing ambition. Enough! God does not want you to pursue ambition anymore. Now is the time for the purpose of the Father that his kingdom may come on the earth. Jesus prayed that will be done on the earth. Amen. How will this children be born on earth? How will they emerge? It is only by purpose, discovery, engagement, continuance, and fulfillment. This is the only way these sons and daughters can emerge. When God gives birth to a child, he becomes a new creature, but he is not yet a son. 
there is a journey from milk to strong meat until you get to strong meat where you are fulfilling the agenda of god you are carrying responsibility and the responsibility of jesus christ is also he's being shared with you because he does his work through us then you are now a son whether you're a woman or not you are a son a son is a place of responsibility if you meet the requirements you'll be given the authority God needs people who are authorities on the mountain of media. He needs people who are authorities on the mountain of education. Authorities. Authorities. When they speak, everybody needs to align. When they say, oh, there's going to be a godfather, they say there's no godfather in this state. Everybody should vote. People that when they go into police, into the police um, um, police ministry or the police force you cannot bend them they are, com they are commissioners you cannot you cannot change the election because they are there so the best thing they will do is to post them out because they know if they kill this one is ready to die god needs see if we have such commissioners christian commissioners and let's say there are 200 commissioners in nigeria and what do you call it hundred of them love the lord and they are exceptional they are excellent like daniel when they don't choose them you see some of them must start get there because it will be too glaring and whenever you put them they will excel and they will not allow perversion to enter the force you'll be a problem by the time 16 of the of the commissioners are righteous commissioners it means no rigging in all those states automatically any money you spend, you just wasted your time. But God is looking for such people. These children now, we are looking at the kind of children, the key things that will be in their lives. These children need to be aware, for them to emerge, these children need to be aware of God's purpose for every man. And that's why we are going through this. These children of God need to surrender their lives and wills to the master for his use. They need to build an altar of purpose in their lives. They need to sacrifice their wills on that altar continuously as a living sacrifice. Your will is always acted out by your body. Even when you think it, it's you always towards a certain thing, towards something you see, towards something you do. When God says, present your body as a living sacrifice, he says, use your body to do God's will. Use your body to say what God wants you to say. Use your hands to touch what God wants you to touch. Use your mind to do what God wants you to do. There are those that know they need to seek God's face wholeheartedly for the revelation of his plans for their lives. They must catch a God-given vision that will sustain them. You see, purpose has to do with knowing what God wants you to do. And when you are listening and seeking God, then He gives you a vision. He gives you a picture that is always burning in your sight. A vision that you cannot take away. A vision that you cannot deny. A vision that when people are, are mocking you, you are burning. A vision that will cause you not to say, I give up. Something that by which a, a, a vision by which you can measure what is happening in your life and when you see it my father and lord, my father and lord will say this is not what i saw when i see what i saw i know it i know it 
when the children of Israel were perverting themselves up and down, Moses said, this is not what I saw. This is not what I saw. This is not what I saw. Amen. Amen. These people that we emerge are those who will step out in faith with the mission God has committed to them relentlessly. Oh, I feel an urge to tell you, whoever is listening here or online, if you are called into an apostolic office, you will not see people doing what God is asking you to do. Apostles are those who bear the heat of the day. Apostles and prophets, but apostles first. Their head is the one that has to chop most of the, the pressure. Because they must break through. And that's why God apportions to their office great authority and power. And, and, and demonstration of God's glory on earth. So they can break through the, the barriers in the hearts of men. And drop the word of God there. They can pull down territorial... You see, what we are talking about these mountains, there are principalities upon those mountains. And God needs to raise principalities of men. Men, human beings are principalities. Because, in fact, not just me, you are far above principalities and powers in Christ. So, as a human being, the God has deposited in you, if you work with Him, His systems and His orders. Oh God, oh God, thank you, Jesus. God was, it was, I was worshipping a few days ago. I will come back to this. And God was telling me, he was giving me a word concerning what was happening. What happened in the pandemic last year. I won't give details, but he gave a word. I said, he said that the church that is going to be built, our church is where men are, are pillars. And the walls are salvation and the gates, please. And I said, how can men be pillars? He says, those pillars are doctrines. I said, how can men be doctrines? He says, that he has made certain men embodiments of certain doctrines. And as those men grew in Christ, they became embodiments of that doctrine that God was restoring to the body of Christ. And it, it reminded me, see, have I not said that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and you are all built up, built up together into an habitation for God? I said, yes. He said, so if you are the temple of God and the constituents of the, of the temple of God are God's children, then the pillar is not an angel. The pillar is a person. While some people are just stones, living stones, some people are pillars in God's kingdom that hold up the righteousness of God in that generation. People that bring forth the doctrine of righteousness, the doctrine of holiness, the doctrine of, of, of God's signs and wonders, how he works in the earth, the doctrine of Christ. Pillars. But they, you see, pillars go through so much stress. That's why those kind of people, so much pressure is on them to make them fall. So much attack, scandals, different kind of things, because they are carrying the weight of the body of Christ in their generation. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. So even though they are pillars, they are not carrying all the weight. They are carrying the weight with Jesus. They are co-laborers with him. And the church is built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. But the pillars rest on this foundation. And Jesus Christ is the chief caller, so he carries all the weight. But if you think you will not carry, you want to be a pillar, you not carry weight. It's a lie. It's a lie. So, 
coming back to this mountain, when God raises this kind of pillars, people that you cannot bend, people that you cannot compress, people that their word, their years, amen, they are like Christ. They displace the enemy from those, those mountains because they have authority and authority must be given. Satan does not have authority again. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go therefore. So as you go and you obey and you are you 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 are you are proving Jesus every day. He confirms your word with signs and wonders following. And he gets to a time, he gives you authority on certain mountains to, to establish his kingdom there. So God needs many of us to rise. You are looking at yourself today as just a common 300 level, 400 level, 21, 22 years today. No, God has foreseen that you ought to be a, a, a pillar in your generation. To bring forth the truth of God and expand it and express it with your life. Till everybody can see and understand that teaching of God's word from your life and follow it and be established. Amen. Amen. These are people who run with the mission, like I say, people like Abraham, Esther, David, when they don't even see it, they still run with it. They need to, these people need to be patient and determined throughout the processes till the results begin to show. The results don't always show immediately. They don't always show immediately. If you are going to be a person of purpose, if you are going to be a person of purpose, you are going to have to be patient. All the fruit of the Spirit will be developed in your life. See, you see, the purpose of God is not actually a separate program from the Christian life. It's actually the real serious Christian life. The Christian life is not just for you to go to church, attend Bible study, be hospitable to a few people, go for a few mission trips. No, it is to fulfill the will of God in your generation for your life. When you are a purposeful Christian, then you are a serious-minded Christian that will get a great reward. The, then the results will be revealed and the Lord, after patience, then the, Lord, the results will be revealed and the Lord will be glorified through the lives of these people that I imagine. Only then will their lives have been useful to God. It is only when the results of God, the result that God has ordained for your life begin to show that your life will really be useful to Him. It's at the end, Jesus said, and I shall give unto every man according to how his work shall be. So when you are choosing what to do with your life, choose well. Because God has given you this 120 years in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. He says, and my spirit will not strive with man for his day shall be 120. 120 is the prescribed time that God wants you to live on earth. He says that you will extend the length of your days. And the number of your days you will fulfill. Exodus 23, 26. But you see, when you are not living purposefully, you don't even know why you need to live up to 120. So by the time you've done all the feeble, selfish things on it, you're already tired by 75. And the spirit of a man will bear him in his infirmity, but a broken spirit who can bear, Proverbs 18, 14. So by the time he's 75 and he sees his spirit is broken because this he has fulfilled all that he needs to do, there is nothing spirit and he dies. But the man of purpose will say, no, I can't die now. I've not finished my work. God, give me strength. God, what is the next phase? Satan wants to kill him. He says, no, it's not my time. And he rebukes him with fervency because he's a man of purpose. 
Hallelujah. Amen. But you see that irrespective of all these things that will happen, all these processes that a person, a child of God who will fulfill purpose must do before he or she emerges, there's an underlying requirement for this purpose discovery, engagement, continuance, and fulfillment. And this is willingness. You must be willing. For if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Let us read Psalm 110 verse 3. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. Yes. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. The power of God has come upon the earth in the person of the Holy Spirit by the authority of Jesus Christ to make men willing to do God's will. To make men willing. Are you going to be willing to fulfill God's purpose for your life? This is the first part. We end the first part now. Are you going to be willing? Or you are going to Seek your own purpose. Are you going to be a child of disobedience? Or you be a child of obedience? I'd like us to begin to talk to God. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you, for you are great, you do miracles so great. We can stand up please. There is no one else like you. Today is a destiny defining day. There is no one like you. You deserve the glory and the honor as we lift our hands in worship, as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. As we lift our hands in worship, as we bless your holy name, for you are great, you give me a praise Focus on the Lord. There is no one else like you. Focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus. There is no one else At this time, I want you to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to expand all these things you have heard in your heart. Do you really want to fulfill God's purpose for your life or you want to do your will? If this decision has not been... If, if you don't even understand what purpose is, you will not care about an altar of purpose. You will not care because 
you, you will not know that there's anything like that. Now the word of the Lord has come to you that you may see that a body he has prepared for you. The Bible tells us that Jesus picked up the scroll and he found the place where it was written of him. In our teaching on purpose, you will find out as we look at it, there are places that are written of you in God. There is no man that God has created who does not have a book in heaven. When you go to Revelation chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7 verse 10, the Bible tells us that, and I saw a throne, Daniel said, I saw a throne, and a fiery stream flowed from it, and books were open. What do you think those books were? They are the books of people, the books of nations. When Ezekiel wants to do something, an angel will give him a scroll to it. It has been written. There is a book concerning your life that concerns God's predetermined expectations from your life, your life, your life, your own life. You have looked at yourself. Many of us have suffered from lack of self-esteem. We've suffered from lack of, of, of self-value and what. But Jesus has called us to have an identity in him. You see, your, your, your purpose is only discovered in Christ. In Christ. For we are the workmanship of God, created in Christ. Not created with Christ. Created in Christ. Created in Christ to do the works that God has ordained that we should walk in them. It's not supposed to be a stress. You are supposed to walk in them. You are not supposed to fight to do what God has ordained you to do. But it is until you allow Christ to touch you, until you allow Christ to hold you, until you allow Christ to open your eyes. You have spiritual eyes where you can decide not to see. You have spiritual ears where you can decide not to hear. You have a spiritual heart where you can decide not to understand. Today, 
and the brenners of the Lebosunana and Daradabashi Arada. A canana namasine morone and the Rebosunana and Daradiana Namandura Basiga. Jacken and Bredezun and the Libre de Gedezun and the Rebosina Manderedesh. A rigada basiga radabo sige de boshilege de bosigaraba. And the bredege de gosuzes and the bredege sige de bosugaradabayada. Anana inana nerereshina nana daradadadi. Elena daradabasina nerededi. Elena nanderebosuna daradabasina nanderedi. Nobody can pray you into your destiny. Even if they pray for your heart to be sensitive, you must pray yourself to fulfill it. It's an intentional pursuit. It's an intentional pursuit. It's intentional. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And his disciples said, All oh, men seek thee. He said, Let us go thence into all the cities of Israel. For this reason I came. A man of purpose, a woman of purpose is not confused about why she is alive. Why he is alive. They are not confused about where they are. But until you understand this reality, this demands of God upon mankind, upon his children, you cannot even set up an altar. You must accept that this is the will of God for a man to have a specific assignment on earth. You must accept. Otherwise, the next one that we are going to is useless to you. If you are still unsure, is, is this man sure? Me, I'm sure. I don't know whether you are sure. I have seen it in the scriptures. I have seen it in the scriptures. And when you can find it in the scriptures, then it is for your life. For all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I have caught it from the word. I have been taught by his servants enough to know that I need to run with a purpose. To the glory of God, I have received my purpose. I am running with my purpose and I have also gotten validation from God that I am where he sent me. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? When Adam sinned, he became dislocated. God had to ask him, where are you? When you are not in your purpose, God is always asking you, where are you? Where are you? Spirit of the sovereign Lord, come and make your presence known with you. The glory of the living Lord. Spirit of the sovereign Lord, come and make your presence known with me. The glory of the living Lord. Let 
In this atmosphere, I just want you to continue to let your heart just drink in what God is saying to you. God is going to be telling a lot of us new things. He's going to be telling us new things. You would have been hearing things. You would have been raising things in your heart. I want you to just focus on them before we step into the next session. Let's just be praying in the spirit. Let your river flow. Don't sing with me. Just continue brooding. Let your wild wind blow. Let your fire glow. Let your dove come down. Let your river flow. Let your wild wind blow. Let your fire glow, Sharabaya. Let your dove come down, Haradagai. River flow, river flow. Oh, wind blow, wind blow. Fire glow, 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 Sharabagada. Let your dove come down, Rigada Varade. Let your River flow, Rekarabasiada, let your wild wind blow, let your fire blow, let your dove come down. River flow, river flow, wild wind blow, wind blow, fire glow, 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 Ayatara, let your dove. River flow, river flow, Sharabada, my wind blow, my wind blow, fire glow, 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 let your dove come down. Aye, 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 aye. Shiadaradae, ae, ae, arakatadaba, ae, ae, shia, ae, ae, arasatakata, ae, 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 
Ndembe na 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 manderebu shina na 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 ye Arata katana na sana na masina na ne Embrele kasuna na 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 manderebu shina na ya na ne ya Aye ne 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 no suna na na ye ya Aye ne 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 suna na ye ya Aye ne 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 suna na ye ya Oh let the Lord open everywhere He is opening some doors in some of you Let him open everywhere let him open everywhere. Spirit of God, open every door. By the way, we open every door. I can hear some doors closing. He is closing some doors. He's opening some doors. You have been keeping some doors open. He's slamming them short. Like in the day when the rain wants to fall. I can hear some doors slamming. I can hear some doors opening spirit of god Let's keep this level of concentration. We are about half full now. We will take the second teaching. I'm, what I'm seeing is showing me that the river is about half now. By the time we finish the second teaching then, he will take us higher. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> We're looking at part Praise the Lord. Oh, I didn't know that. Amen. We are looking at part two of our teaching today. I don't know how you are going to caption the first part, but the message has been passed. I passed the message I was supposed to pass. Mm. We are looking at part two. Part two is going to be is titled Rebuilding the Altar of Purpose. The first one had to do with giving us an idea of what purpose actually is. You see. It got to a time when God had to help me. I had, um, I believe God's calling that He has sent I and my family to help people come into an understanding of their purpose. But you see, 
when I finished a major phase of my life, when this phase was about to start, you hear me talking about faces because that's actually how it is. When this phase was about to start, God had to be merciful to me. Enough to tell me, apparently, it seems like, I don't know, maybe I was not hearing clearly. I was hearing God, but it seems that I needed more of God shaking for me to know that a new season was upon me. He sent dreams. In fact, he has sent me about three dreams. Well, no, five dreams. I remember about three. About the end of that phase. And he showed me more than three years before the time. I didn't know when it was going to be. I knew it was going to come, but I didn't know when. So when the season came, I was in, I was not in the in the tells us about the the the, um, the 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 tabernacle in the time of Moses and he said the Bible tells us that whenever the glory of God lifted the people did what they packed their tabernacle and their tents and everything and they followed the glory of God wherever he was going. They didn't know where they were going. You see, in this journey of bubbles, you don't know where they are going. <laughs> that is why Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, As many as are led, that led there is regularly led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. If you knew where you were going, you don't need to be led by the Spirit of God. It is because you are clueless. You see, if you don't agree that you are clueless, Agree that God, I don't know where you are leading me. Lead me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is when you follow the word of God gradually that you will see where the path turns. You don't see the full thing. It is not in God's agenda to show you the full thing. You know how many times Abraham wandered around the, the land of Canaan? He land in this place, he moved to this place, build altar here, build altar there. Him to post was doing theater. He was roaming the land of Canaan like a like a city that not in the house. Purposes sometimes look like that because God is the one that has the beacons. God is the one that has the locations that He wants you to dwell in at every time and for a certain season. When you decide to go and you can be a child of God, see the people that miss purpose the most are sometimes are those who even want to fulfill it. Because they miss God. A person believes he has God's call upon his life, so he jumps into seminary. Who told you that's your first step? Who told you? Who told you you are supposed to go like that? Just allows it to pass, but you will start to bring clarity in some places. Nate Dadiege said that he was in his first place, I think, for about 14 years. Then God told him that that's not actually where he needs him to be. He had, as far as he was concerned, he had wasted some amount of years. His second phase of his life was very short. I think God wanted him to be an itinerary, itinerant minister. Before God now brought him into the prophetic realm of his ministry. A lot of people think that you just set up a plan, five-year plan, ten-year plan. Yes, do it. In accordance with your renewed mind, not in accordance with your with your crucified flesh, because your crucified flesh is not supposed to be alive; it's supposed to be dead. So, if the flesh is still speaking in your life, then you still have a, you still have a long way to go.
allow God to direct you. When he directs you, then you will be where God needs you to be part-time. Amen. Part 2, Rebuilding the Altar of Purpose. We are going to read Exodus chapter 24, verse 3 to 8. Don't lose your consecration. Don't lose your focus on the presence of God. Exodus chapter 24, verse 3 to 8. <coughs> Let's all read, if we can, one verse each. Please use the mic so that we carry along those who are online. Verse 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the law and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. Says, Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up twelve stone, stone and set up twelve stone pillars representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. Six. Moses took up of the blood of these animals and drew them up into basins. The other half is splashed against the altar. And he read to the to the people the book he had written, the book of the covenant containing God's directions and laws. And the people said again, We promise to obey every one of these rules. To verse 8. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant. Please speak into the mic so that we carry people along. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Amen. So, we see a situation here where God was giving certain things to the children of Israel. But before we look at that, this message is for two kind of people. Basically, two kinds. Number one, those who have never been who have been guilty before, but have started knowingly or unknowingly. The two people that this message is for. Now, in part one, you saw briefly the basis for purpose and the underlying requirements for fulfilling God's purpose for your lives, which included raising an altar of purpose for God in your life and all that. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And in every temple is what? An altar. Yes or no? Even in pagan shrines, there is an altar. There's an altar. So, God expects there to be an altar in your temple. Yes or no? Yes or no? Aha. Since God expects there to be an altar in your temple, it is a deficit if you do not have one that God can land on. Until an altar is raised, there can be no sacrifice. Before you even consider whether the sacrifice is acceptable or not, can you have an acceptable sacrifice on an unacceptable altar? It's not possible. Cain's sacrifice was not acceptable, but God did not complain about his altar. Or maybe it was even part of the things that made his sacrifice unacceptable. So in this passage, we see some principles of rebuilding the altar of purpose in your life. God expects you to burn with a holy zeal. What is the holy zeal? It's the fire of God that lands upon your altar, upon the sacrifice on your altar. When the zeal of God comes upon a man, he consumes him. It's called passion. When it is an ungodly zeal, it is not God's fire. It is a, it is a, it is a strange fire. Like Nada Manabihu burnt. And what happened? God destroyed them. Fire came out of God and destroyed them because they offered a strange fire. So, your holy zeal is the fire of God that lands upon the altar on your sac or that lands upon the sacrifice on your altar. The altar is in your life, <laughs> and the sacrifice is you. Like we have seen from Jesus. But before we look at this Exodus 24, we need to understand why this message is for two people. Some people have not built an altar before. Some people have rebuilt it and they scattered it. When God made man, he built him ready. Adam had an altar and he served God with holy zeal. God brought all the animals to him to name and he named them. In one, he named them once and he got everything correct. It was the holy zeal of God. It was the spirit of walking. He, he was passionate. He was so passionate that he was able to recognize that there was no, there was no person that was suited for him. He noticed. And it was when he noticed in the course of fulfilling his purpose with that holy zeal that God went to create Eve. But sin destroyed that altar in Adam's life. And Adam is our father, whether we like it or not. So, he lost the glory, and even if he wanted to fulfill God's will, he was unable to. The spiritual capacity and enablement was gone. It is the zeal of God and the power of God that causes us to be able to, to, to the, the enablement of God, that bestows that zeal, bestows the capacity to run with God's will for your life. How can God, how can a man, eh? Hudson Taylor, I think it was Hudson Taylor, at the age of 17, catch a vision at a time when there was, there was no aircraft. 
At a time when there was no refined medicine, at a time when uh, medical science was still growing, catch a vision to go and share the gospel in China. And as a result, he read about China and he began to train himself. He began to make himself able to stay without food. Because he knew as a missionary he may be hungry. So he began to ration his food. He began to train himself in medicine. He looked for where to go and study medicine. So that when he gets to China, he can bring medicine and use it to heal the people. He did this for three years. It's a young man of 17 years. I think he was about 17 years. He caught a vision. He caught the vision. The vision was burning him. He burned for three. How many of us have caught a vision that burns us for three weeks? That we are pursued in God that burns us for three weeks. How many of us? You see, he had not even started the work. But he was already going through a lot of rigors so that he will be ready for the work. He was not reading the scripture. He was still grooming himself in the scripture, but he was grooming himself, you know, mission-minded. Mission-mindedly. That is, the, the, those are the kind of people that caught a vision. Or do you want to talk about Adoniram Jutsin? Adoniram Jutsin who was among the brightest in his university. They formed a clique of, of brothers and they decided they were going to do the will of God. They were the first to send forth missionaries from the U.S., from their church, about four of them. And I think they chose different places that they wanted to go to. I don't know whether it is him or another person. Yes, he's the one. When they went out, they were about three families. No, two couples and two singles. While he was on that, <laughs> you see, God is sweet. If you are going to fulfill purpose, if you are going to follow God, you must be ready to walk in an adventure. God will do some, some things strategically that will cause you to depend on Him utterly. Adonai Jesus was on the ship with his wife, and suddenly he was reading and reading. Then he caught the vision of water baptism. You know, God was restoring the truths gradually. First, it was. Um, the just shall live by faith by Martin Luther, then the holiness and the rest by Wesley, before water baptism by the Baptist and the rest. He was doing it gradually. Before you had Pentecostalism and all the Azusa revivals and the rest, before you now had the charismatic movement, the, restoring, the, the, the helping the church to understand that it's not speaking in tongues and prophecy alone and interpretation, but the nine gifts of the Spirit should be able to operate through a believer. God was restoring gradually. So, at the end, Jesus' time was a time of, um, I think it was him, that was the time of baptism. And he caught this revelation while they were still on the ship to a land that he has never been to. And there he had to make a decision that he was going to be baptized in water. And he told his wife, there were six of them going together with one mission team. When he told his other friends, I said, um, I believe in water baptism. They told him it's not possible. You cannot believe in water baptism. We cannot work as a team. We cannot do it as a Suddenly, the, the six of them split into two groups. One of the singles went with him and his wife. The other single went with the other one. So, automatically, he had lost his financial support for his mission trip. I'm talking about men that burnt with passion. He had not been to a land. Meanwhile, his support, his mission base, he was ready to go away with them. He was able to throw them away so that he will follow the will of God. And as soon as that happened, God gave them wisdom. They wrote to the Baptist. The Baptist at that time didn't have any foreign missionaries. 
So when they, they wrote to the Baptist that now they believe in water Baptist, the Baptists were excited. They said, okay, we too, now for the missionaries. So they started supporting them. You see, until you allow certain doors of God, certain doors of life to close, God cannot open the next one. That is the journey of purpose. You must be used to doors closing and doors opening. Otherwise, you will stay and you will become old and unfruitful in where, in, in, in where you are. So, it takes men that have caught this holy zeal to fulfill God's will. Sin destroyed the altar of purpose. Adam lost his glory. In the same light, your altar was broken due to sin. Your own and my own is not just your own. When you were born, when we were born, you were born a rebel. Take it. You were born what? A rebel. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 16. All we like sheep are born as free. We are everyone turned to his own way. We were all rebels. Rebels against the will and the purpose of God. There is no man who came ready to fulfill God's plans for his life after Adam sinned. There's nobody. Everybody came with a desire to do their own ambition. Amen. Amen. Everyone starts to go, to go their own way. This way is called ambition. I'm sorry if you don't like it. This is the understanding I have. When you have ambition, then you swear with pride and say, I'm going to be this. If it is not a purpose that is better than God, then you are running with ambition. Ambition is your way. Purpose is God's way. Amen. And to rebuild this altar of purpose, you have to overcome. Sorry, you have to come into Christ because in verse, in Isaiah 53 verse 6b, he says, And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. So everyone has to rebuild their altars because Jesus has carried the iniquity of us all and has opened the way. The Bible says he's a new and, he's a new and living way open for us through the veil so that we can have access to God and we can receive a new life and a new heart so that God can rebuild his altar in our lives. Then we can now what? Present ourselves on that altar. When I say God will rebuild, it's not him that will do it alone. It's a cooperation between you and him. So don't put the responsibility on God. It's your responsibility. Now, now that we understand that sin is what caused everybody to have a broken altar of purpose, let's now go back to Exodus 24. Exodus 24, verse 3 to 8. We see here a, a, a pattern. And what pattern do we see? One, Israel was chosen by God. Israel was chosen by God. When you read um, Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 6, God told them, Say, See, you are seen out on eagle's wings. Now, if you will give it to my voice and obey my commandments and keep my covenant, I will make you a peculiar treasure unto me, for all the nations of the earth are mine, and I'll make you a kingdom of priests. So God separated Israel and he gave them the law through Moses. For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He used Israel as the seed of Abraham as a, a, a pilot program to show the world what righteousness is. At the same time, he wanted to teach man that man cannot achieve his own righteousness by his own independence. And 
God told Israel, if the law was supposed to show them that you people cannot help yourself, depend on God. But even though they write the law, they could not they could not fulfill God's righteousness by the law. The law made them separated from the world. The law made them made them a different kind of people. They didn't eat any kind of thing, they didn't sleep any anywhere, they did not touch on clean things. The kind of things that other gentile nations used to do, the perversions, the different kind of things that affected them, did not affect the Jews. And that's why they were superior in understanding, even till today. Is it Jews are superior in a lot of things? It's only the New Jews, we that remain that are now superior in Christ because now we now have the mind of Christ, not just the physical DNA of Abraham. Amen. So the, the Israelites were chosen. Next, God gave them the words of the command commandment. We see that in verse, we see that in Exodus 19, 4 to 6. We also see that in um, Exodus 24 that we read. God has spoken to them in Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus chapter 20. When they came to the mountain and it, it burned and God spoke from the mountain with a mighty voice. And the people said, no, they don't want to touch the mountain. They don't want to go near the mountain. They want Moses to go and get the words of God and come and give them. God wanted to speak to them, but they wanted Moses to hear for them. God gave them the opportunity to hear and know his ways. That's why in Psalm 103 verse 6, verse 7. He said, he showed his ways unto Moses, but his deeds unto the children of Israel. Because you cannot know the ways of God until you hear the voice of God. It's the voice of God that teaches you the ways of God. But the Israelites refused. They refused to hear because the voice of God was it was mighty. It was majestic. Even Moses was trembling. I still blame them, sir. And I blame anybody that refuses to hear the word of God. Because the word of God is, the voice of God is majestic. It is beautiful. It breaks the cedars. It brings life to anybody that hears it. Amen. So, God gave them the words of the covenant. I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. Everywhere was shaking. Everywhere was, everywhere there was fire. There was earthquake. And they were hearing, thou shalt have no other gods beside God did that so that they would fear him. <clears throat> They are not gods that could not talk, gods of gold, gods of silver. But now they are seeing the living God who descended upon the mountain and it was ablaze and there was smoke and there were all kinds of things. But still they decided not to obey him. And it's because they did not want to hear his voice. The next agreed. They read the covenant to them. You see, when God picks a people and now that he's calling the whole world, he does not engage you without an agreement. If you are going to fulfill God's plan for your life, there must be an agreement. So we are looking at Israel as an example before we look at another example. So we will see where God, where we were before and where we are now. Number four, Moses wrote the words of the covenant down. Exodus chapter 24 verse 4. And he wrote it in a book. The Ten Commandments were given in a tablet. But the words of the commandment were written in a book. And remember that Moses was killed in all the wisdom of Egypt. So writing was a normal thing to, to him. He knew how to write. You see, when God is preparing a man, he does things ahead of time that you don't know why he's doing it. Moses was a warrior. Let's not go into that. Next, an altar of purpose was raised for them. If you check verse 
4. And Moses wrote all the words of the law and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar. He did what? He built an altar. Under the hill. And 12 what? Pillars. According to the 12 tribes of Israel. So we see here the principle of building an altar when the purpose is God had brought Israel out. He told Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. And he had told Moses, he said, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall bring them to this mountain that have appeared to you. So Moses brought them to this mountain and God appeared to them at that mountain. But at the mountain, he now made known to them the reason for which he brought them out. They knew all the issues about the, the inheritance of Abraham, the land of Canaan. They may have forgotten to an extent, but they knew that God promised them the land of Canaan. But now God was giving them the covenant and the agreement that will permit them to enter the land of Canaan. That they are a peculiar treasure unto him. You see, the purpose of God is to set you apart on the earth. It is to show that you are a kingdom citizen. When you fulfill your purpose, you are just fulfilling your kingdom assignment. When you do it, you are not doing anything supernatural. You are just doing what is expected of you. When you don't do it, then you are doing something abnormal. You are an abnormal citizen. And every kingdom, every government has laws. So if you break the laws of the kingdom of God, you bear the consequences. So when you are not fulfilling purpose, you are an unlawful citizen. Unlawful citizen. So the build an altar. And six, the people agreed to the conditions of the covenant. They read it the first time, they agreed. When they came down again, they still agreed again. They ratified their decision that we will obey all that you have said. You see, the Israelites know how to say they will obey. Many of us are like that. God was not, if you are not speaking to our father, we do it. Ah, we do it. I will go. I did. <laughs> Oh God. A covenant was made with God by a sacrifice. You see, the only thing that has power with God is blood. Your faith is established on blood. God says, let those, Psalm 50 verse 4 to 5. Let me just explain this. This is not in our scope. But it is, we can just go a little bit deep to explain something. Psalm 50, verse 4 to 5. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. A particular version says, those that have caught a sacrifice. A covenant must be caught. If you go to Genesis chapter 15, you see that God told Abraham to split the animals in two and to pass in between. You must cut, you must cut a covenant. Blood must flow. And that's why the, the covenant that we have with God now is a covenant of blood in Jesus. So if you think you are a, you are a bloodless Christian, you, you don't know what it means to be a Christian. You are a bloody Christian. The blood of Jesus is sprinkled on you. That's why you are saved. Very bloody. So we see that God actually built an altar for them, an altar of purpose. It was when they agreed to these words of the covenant that they fulfill God's plans for their life. 
God will not go ahead with them except this altar was built. So we see that Israel were a people of covenant. God started with them in a covenant. A covenant that they will do his will. They will be his people of purpose. We are seeing what purpose is. Many of us are giving our lives to Christ. I believe all of us. Because purpose is not for those that are not giving their life to Christ. You can only use it to let those that are in the world know that they need to come to Christ, but you need to share salvation with them first. Must share the gospel. The gospel is what brings them into Christ. Purpose is for those that are in Christ, created in Christ unto good works with God as for them that they should walk in them. You can't walk in something that you are not in. So having seen that, we a lot of us are like Israelites that have come to know God. We've loved God. We've done this. We've done that. We've, we've had the joy of our salvation. Some of us have had gifts of the Spirit. We've done this. But many of us are still not working in purpose. Our altar is in shambles. God cannot do anything useful with us right now because there is no, there is no, there's no place for Him to land. So we're going to now look at this, the, the, our real state now. What we looked at in Exodus 24 is our initial state when we gave our lives to Christ. And for those of you that are in final year, it is your state. When you came to school and you were, yes, I will do God's will. I will do this, I will do that. Many of you, if you look back, you've not done what the things you say you do for God. And now you're about to pack your bags and to march. Yes, let's go to the world and go and win the world for Christ. If you do not do the one that you say you do university in four or five years, how are we sure you do the one you say you do for the rest of your life in the 40, 40 or 50 years? In university, there are few, few distractions. Ask those. Who have gone outside? Well, you think distraction in university are plenty? <laughs> Wait for when you are in charge of your time completely. You are not in a city where your parents are. You are not in a city where anybody knows you. You have money. You have time. Then you will not know what discipline is to go to church. Bible study. Drive yourself to church when your friends are clubbing and are in strip clubs. You know what it is. When under by your perfume, you enter a supermarket and all the ladies just turn. Or just by your voice, all the men just turn because they can hear the, the 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 riches in your voice, riches of character, riches of finance. Ah, this woman, this woman is, and they are they are looking. You know, there are some women when they leave a place, they've left. The anointing of their perfume is still there. You know, anointing is like fragrance. He has frankincense and cassia and all those things. But they, the hand is a worthy, anyway, you are not a worthy person, yeah? So they leave that place, but people know that somebody was there. By the time all these things happen, you are, you, are, you, are, you are derailed from God's plan for your life. If you don't make a decision now, if your altar is not set now. First Kings chapter 18, verse 30 to 41. First, first Kings chapter 18, verse 30 to 41. Thank you, Jesus. 30 to 41. Let's just take a song. Um, you reign, you reign, Zion's king. Kadosh, Kadosh, you are mighty on your throne. You reign, you reign, 
refuge in the mighty Lord. You reign, you reign, you reign, Zion's King. Kadosh, Kadosh, you mighty Amen. Let's read. Or maybe I should read just to be fast. <clears throat> and Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. First Kings 18, 30 to 41. Please follow us. Most of you that are online. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Everyone say repaired. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying Israel shall be thy name. Now do you see a pattern? I need to be explaining as we are going. Moses built the altar under the hill on twelve pillars. Elijah understanding the protocol of rebuilding the altar of purpose of God for Israel though he was not in the time of Moses built an altar with 12 stones. Men that understand the ways of God, they don't need to be in the same timeline. They will do the same thing because it's the same spirit of God that leads them. Verse 32. And with these stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench round the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels of water and pour it on the bond sacrifice and on the wood. So, first he repaired the altar. Remember I told you, unless there's an altar, there can be no sacrifice. Oh God, I will die for you. Oh God, I will go anywhere. Where's your altar? Where's your altar? Where are the foundational truths God has put in your life? Where, where, where are the things God has asked you to set in place? Those things that have fixed your altar. Where you show up to see God every day. Where is it? You can't die for God when you've not lived for Him. He's not looking for those kind of deaths. 34. And He said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. You will, you will understand this principle. I want to highlight it. The Bible says in the presence of two or three witnesses, the truth is established. Elijah was establishing a principle I will show you later. But I want you to notice it. And the water ran around the altar, round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. So their heart was with him before. That's why I told you we are rebuilding. God, God told us and I caused the message that you are rebuilding the altar. Some of you have, re, you have rebuilt it before, but it has been scattered. 
If you are still going to church, you are still a Bible study secretary. You are still a prayer. You are still useful in the church as far as you are concerned. But your altar is broken. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord he is the is the God. The Lord he is the God. The zeal of the Lord will fall upon a man who has rebuilt his altar, who has put his sacrifice, who has poured the water. You'll be seeing what all those things are. It's only then the fire will fall. You've been asking for fire. Lord, let your fire fall on me. I want your power. I want your is because there's no altar. And if there's no altar, you have not put yourself on the altar. You have not caught yourself. You are still whole. God does. <laughs> this sacrifice is dead. But your own, you ought to be a living sacrifice, but a broken one. You see, the principles of God are spiritual. Don't try to always put them in physics. You may not always work. You ought to be a living sacrifice that is dead to self. Your flesh is crucified and dead, broken. Then the fire can fall. Amen. And when the fire falls and the passion is burning in your life, then people will say what? God, you are the Lord. Because they will see God in your life. You see, that fire, that zeal of God, you cannot fake it. You can't. 40. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, and let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. And 41, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now let's look at the principles. Amen. Is God blessing us today? So what are the principles? Israel had forsaken God's covenant. You saw that they had set a covenant with God in Exodus 24. But by this time they are forsaking God's covenant. The king had allowed Jezebel to kill all his prophets also. So the access to God's voice to the people was killed. Ministering to God, the prophet ministers unto the people. He ministers unto the people for God. And the priest ministers unto God for the people. Are we together? Yes. So, Jezebel had dealt with all And now he installed our own 400, um, 400 uh, prophets of Baal. Or is it 450 prophets of Baal and 400 of, of um, Ashtoret that deal in the groves and the rest? That's why he said the prophets of Baal. But they are not prophets of God. They cannot prophesy evil into your life. That's they are the diviners. They are the fortune tellers. They are the hungry. Don't ever give your hand to anybody. To if you you do horoscopes, you are cost. You can put doors into your house and put this in a souvenir. You are cost. Very obvious. You be and you are wondering why you have my house. 
there with his will of whatever they call it and you think that you 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 will sleep well you have, you have put a portal for demons into your house anything occurs it makes you accost just take it you can go and read the bible you see it in exodus amen, amen. so christian today christians especially you have forgotten the lord who bought them with his blood you are forsaking the covenant of your god many of you have forgotten the promises you made when Again. Oh God, I will love you. Oh God, you meant what you said. Oh, I'm not discounting it. Neither am I mocking you. I'm only telling you that compared to that time and what is happening now, forsaking of your God. Number two, Israel had turned down the altar and the service of God in the land. They are turned down. You see, when Jezebel stood up because the king, you know. I shared with you that on the mountain of politics is where the kings reign. The king who was not a king that understood his purpose, he was a godless king. So he went to marry a godless woman. And the godless woman was the priestess of a demon god. So she made him to serve that demon god, but because he's the king. And the king, when God wants to punish Israel, he looks at the king. Is the king doing right? He blesses them. The king doing wrong, he punishes them. Even when the, God, the king makes them to follow whatever party follows. So this king was on the mountain of politics and he refused to do the will of God. So Jezebel took authority and the Jezebel spirit always goes for authority. Today is not for that. That one is for people in school of prophecy. Amen. Amen. And um, so the authors were turned down. And they had replaced. So today, now, what is the the the, the corollary or what's the English? Now? What is the equivalent? Yes, let me speak. What's the equivalent? Today, many of you have lost your first love for God. Not only have you forsaken His covenant, you have lost your first love. You know, in the book of Revelations, chapter two, Jesus was talking to the church of Ephesus. He says he knows their love, their patience, their labor, and all that, but they have lost their first love. And because of that, he could take their candlestick away. Your first love is your affection and your passion for Jesus as your Savior. Your satisfaction that is all that you ever need. Your pursuit for him throughout your life. Without it, all the rest is a pity. <clears throat> you have sought positions rather than spirituality and Number three, what did Israel do? Israel had been seduced to Baal and Jezebel into fornication, perversion, idolatry, and wanton lusts. She had caused the entire Israel to sin in seduction. And this is the major thing that has caused the altars of children of God to be broken down today, seduction. Especially the ones that look as if they are not obvious. What seductions are we talking about? The lust of the flesh. One. The Christian youth have been seduced by the lust of the flesh. Music. You have developed an appetite for the world and its lust. You have you, you want to entertain rather than worship. You want to gyrate rather than praise his majesty. Still under the lust of the flesh. You pervert his worship with worldly beats. You refuse to be separated unto righteousness. In second Corinthians chapter six, from verse seventeen and eighteen down to chapter seven, verse one, it talks about them. It says, "Call out of them and be separate, and I will be your God and be my sons and my daughters, and I will walk among you, and I will dwell among you until you come out. You cannot be a vessel unto righteousness. You can't. 
The word of God says so. You love the dresses of the world have exposed your flesh to your own shame. Another thing that you've been seduced to is the lust of the eyes. Love for materialism has overcome many Christian youths. For materialism, Christian youths will they will refuse to see God. They will ah, I cannot in that place. That's how they dress. Their uniform is too. No, me, I want to dress nicely. It's your dressing that is going to put put treasure in house in heaven, right? You lose the responsibilities God is giving to you that He has ordained for His foundation. Of it's like we don't understand what an eternal purpose is. Before the world was created, God knew you. God has already designed, I love this, my daughter. She's going to do this for me. You have been predestinated. But predestination does not mean that you will walk in that path. It's your choice. Love for glittering things. Even man has said, not all things that glitters is gold. The true gold of a faith that is more precious than gold and silver is what you need. That one shines forever. It's not corrupted. But you like shiny, shiny things. What is shining is for you. Once everybody likes it, it's for you. You know, some things are not shiny physically, but everybody likes it. So once they like it, it's shining. It's shining to your spiritual eyes. And it's not the spiritual eyes that, that the Holy Spirit is giving you. They are followed after money rather than the kingdom of God. You know what Jesus said? If the light that is in you is darkness, how great the darkness. He wasn't talking about physical things. He was talking about spiritual eyes. He said that their eyes have been blinded. Their ears have been So, spiritually dead people can also see things that are still killing them for that. But the only thing they cannot do is perceive the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he can, cannot appraise, he cannot. Which our hands have handled of the word of life. What is the third seduction, the pride of life? Those who are in the church, Christian youths, particularly, you see, don't be offended. See, if you are above the age of youths, I honor you. But primarily, I'm addressing those I'm saying to. These, these are principles, so it doesn't mean it does not apply to you. It applies to you, but I'm using this words because of the people I am sent to directly. They are the ones that my report card will be marked on. Many of you, youths, are look, you, are, you have lost your concentration for seeking power. You desire to rule rather than to serve. And you forget that those that are greatest in the kingdom are the servants of all. You are seeking position so that you will be known but you are empty inside. Pride has stolen your zeal and your potency. Christian youths have been seduced by Jezebel and her sister principalities. Christian youths are torn between two decisions because there is some form of love for God in them since God reached them first. You see, that's where the problem is. Elijah told them, how long shall you halt between two decisions? Because God reached Israel first, there is a part of them that lost God. Paul said, I, after the inward man, I love God, but in the body, 
are more fruitful. So these people that we're talking about, they are not, some of them are not entirely wrong. They are wrong. I mean, they are not entirely doing everything evil. They are lukewarm. And Jesus said, if you are neither cold nor hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So it's still like a person that is cold. So a lot of Christian youths are torn between those two decisions. Because they still love God small, but they love the world. Israel was now confused because they wanted to enjoy the world. And they wanted to serve God. It is not possible. You shall not have two masters. Or he is not Lord at all, as my father in law would say. Is it a Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all? God was calling Israel back to Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to his children and the heart of the children back to the fathers. Elijah challenged their perversion. Now we are looking at the principles of rebuilding. We look at the state of Israel. Now we are looking at the principles of rebuilding. Number one, he challenged their perversion. I'm challenging your double-mindedness today. How long will you halt between two decisions? If God is God, follow him. Even if you don't have a car for 10 years. And if Satan is your God, follow him. Let him give you the things of the world. You will get it fast. For he who, who seeks to find his life will lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake will gain it. Whoever does not forsake father and mother and sisters and brothers is not worthy of me. Whoever does not carry his cross daily and follow him is not worthy of me. Jesus is worthy of your life. If you are called to full-time Christian service, so be it. That is what you are designed for. Go into it and you will prosper. You may suffer. You may even die. There's no, there's no need to cover anything anymore. You may even die in following Jesus. But you know what? When you cross over, then you will know that your fearing God was more important than fearing men. You must not fear men. He said that fear him. Who after he has killed the body can destroy the soul in hell. You will cross over, and this is the worst case scenario that most of us fear. But not everybody will have the opportunity to die for Christ. It's an opportunity, it's a privilege, ah, it's a very high, lofty privilege to die for Christ. They are privileged fellows. Very privileged. Highly decorated in the kingdom. <laughs> Matthias. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the blood of his saints. Highly decorated for medal of honor. That's what they went to heaven with. They were faced with death and they didn't deny. Ah. But not all of, not all of us are that privilege. Eh? So let's let's calm down. He challenged their perversion. Elijah then rebuilt the altar. By bringing 12 stones. What does this mean? It, remains, it means repenting. They threw down the altar. Now they were rebuilding the altar. Today God wants you to repent. Make a decision to follow God. That's what rebuilding the altar is. But it doesn't just stop there. What are the things that you need to decide? Have you made a decision? Stones represent rigidity. 
Are you rigid in your decision to follow the master, Yeshua al-Mashiach? Are you willing to follow him at every time of the day? The 12 stones can also represent the 12, 12 hands of the clock. 12 days of the 12, 12 hours of the day, 12 hours of the night. Are you ready? Are you ready? Or you want to seek him in the night and show forth your blinks in the day to your classmates? Do you want to seek him in the night and share chokes in the exam hall in the day? You need to rebuild that altar as Elijah did. Elijah number three killed the sacrifice. This is the place of dying to self. The word and the doctrine of the cross has not been taught very well these days. Many of us don't want to hear very Christian youths. When you hear our fathers teaching it, they love to teach it. Die to self. We love to hear. We need to hear it. We love. We need to start teaching ourselves. We need to tell ourselves that the prosperity is in debt to self, because Jesus did a divine exchange when he died for us. He did a divine exchange on the cross. His life for our life. And what does this dying to self means? It means renewing your covenant with God. Covenant always has to do with death. God is not asking to go and kill yourself now. The blood of Jesus is it suffices for your own salvation. But the death of your flesh is necessary for your for you walking in the life of Christ. Christ is the door. Your death to self is your walking through the door and remaining in it. Your crucifying of your passions. Oh, you love to watch football so much. And you watch football to the point that you miss church service, you miss Bible study, you cannot pray, you cannot fast. You need to die to it. Those appetites that are drawing you to the world, you need to die to it. Number four, Elijah poured water upon the sacrifice. What does this one mean? I told you we are going to come to it. And he did it amen that three times. You see, Elijah knew that that sacrifice needed fire and all Israel knew it also. So he wanted to let them know that the fire is not the one that you can kindle. If you put water on a sacrifice, it will not kindle. Drench the whole wood, the whole hay, all the things that they use to make the fire quickly catch. He killed everything that makes the fire quickly catch. What does this represent in the Christian's life? In the Christian youth's life? Utter dependence on God. Burning your bridge. Breaking your bridge. Let everybody know that you are sold out. If God does not do this thing, I am doomed. That's the pouring of water. But don't go and pour water <laughs> on a sacrifice that is not on a rebuilt altar. No fire before. God forbid. You must follow all these processes. You can't burn your bridge. Hey God. You can't burn your bridge. When you have not laid your altar, you have just entered serious one chance. Because you will call on God and he will not answer. You have not followed the protocol. So when you have done all this, then, see, your uncle tells you, if you do this, I will not, I will not sponsor you. And it is 
so that you will choose whether you follow God or not, you should be going. Uncle, I love you. I'm sorry, sir. Your organization tells you you cannot do so, 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 and so. And that's what God says you should do. They should be doing what? They should be going. Utter dependence. Your father and your mother tell you, get out of my house. You have used your degree. Now you want to be a pastor. We are spent, do you know how much we are spent on you? Daddy and mommy, I love, and you must not get angry with them, otherwise your altar will have a problem. You, can, you must forgive them. Utter dependence, utter dependence on God. You don't have money. God will sort me out. I will not bribe. Your lecturer says that uh, until you sleep with him, I will not sleep with him. Is he carryover? Is he extra here? Be bringing it. God will sort me out. Utter dependence. Those are the kind of people that can call for fire. Amen. Number five. Elijah called for fire. God's holy zeal lands on you and empowers you to fulfill God's purpose. It is only after this that the zeal of God will land on you. You need to understand that all this making a decision, being a sacrifice, that being a sacrifice can be three years old. Don't think it's just as I'm reading it. You just read it to God. <laughs> and it, it's not like that. It can take you from step one to step five. can take you 15 years. That's why it's a journey you must start early. Because that 15 years is what God has ordained for you. He may have actually to our, our couple of, um, you know, problems in our flesh we don't want to pay on time he has to just elongate the process until we have come we love him but we are slow we are not catching early how much more a person that is not very interested fire will not fall so the God's holy zeal and passion to feel God has ordained me to be a real estate um, 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 uh, what do you call it business person in the nation he has told me that i should build houses for children all around cost standard houses and you think that you will just start in three years that knows that you are working for the kingdom so he will fight you he, ah, i told somebody some influence Discovering God's purpose for your life because he was going on a path and that was not God's plan for him. By then, discovered God's plan. I said, Don't think that because you left Christian ministry and now you want to do this other aspect, which is what God actually asked you to do. God didn't call you full time, but he was pressured in, into it. By the time he discovered, I said, Don't think that the pressure you would have faced in ministry would be less than the one you will face in the mountain you are going to. In fact, to be more. Because on that mountain that you were going to, you were not equipped for it. So, so you are not a threat to Satan. You are not a threat to Satan on a mountain you are not sent to. Because you don't, you don't have anything to defeat him. You don't have the skill. The Bible says, and I have placed upon Bezali, son of a holy, have the spirit of wisdom, in all form of cunning works, in metals of gold, wood, woodwork, um, and in lily, some people now, they are only goldsmith, only goldsmith. He was goldsmith, silversmith, ironsmith. He was tailor, woodwork, carpenter, everything in one. On that mountain, you can't try him. 
you cannot, that's the mountain of arts and entertainment. You can't try Bezali. He will flow you. Satan is in trouble. But carry him to the mountain of family. What is he going to do? You can't be drawing cartoon for the So, the holy zeal of God will only fall when you have gone through all these steps. You've revealed the altar. You have laid the sacrifice and killed it. You have poured water in utter dependence upon God. And uh, you now call for fire. You still have to call for it. You see that calling can take five years. <laughs> the calling of the man can take five years. God, I need your heart. I need your touch upon my life. It can take five years. Seriously speaking. And it's not as if those five years are waste. They are not waste. It's just the process. Oh, Father, blessed be your name. Number six, Elijah killed all the perverting prophets. You need to read yourself after the fire falls. You have read yourself of some. When you read, when the fire falls, you still need to keep on getting rid of all those things that can make you backslide. Those seducing things. Things such as stopping the perverted and ungodly thoughts of your life. Stopping the perverted Stopping the perverted and ungodly words of your life. The first one of thoughts is Philippians 4 6. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report, think on these things. You have to replace your dirty thoughts with this kind of thinking. Only then will you be, you know, remember we saw, you have to renew your mind before you can access the gifts that have been placed in you. For the perverted words is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Do not let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is useful for the edification. Sorry, okay, Philippians 4, 8. Thank, thank you for that correction. Philippians 4, 8. Oh, 4, 6 is be anxious for nothing. Thank you. Philippians 4, 8. That's for thoughts. For words is Ephesians 4, 29. You need to get rid of your unrighteous friends. You must have been doing that gradually. But when the fire falls upon your life, they cannot even be close near you because they will drag you down. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of workers of the scum. In the last feasting of the Lord, which we hold every month, the next one is tomorrow, for the month of May, we've seen that there is a threefold step of of, of spiritual degradation. Walking, standing, sitting. The person that is walking is not as confused as the person that is standing. A person that is standing is not as devastated as the person that is sitting. Spiritually, when you say the person has sat in a place, ah, it's final. God says, don't even walk. Get out of their community, get out of their habitations. You need to get rid of immoral materials. Abstain from all appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 <clears throat> All appearance of evil, including the one I did not write. The Holy Spirit will teach you, for it's your comforter. But the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things I bring to you. Remember everything that I have taught you. John 14.26 You need to get rid of ungodly attitudes and habits. And here you see Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 9, where it says, Mortify therefore the deeds of the flesh. 
envy, arrogance, wrath. Get rid of them, mortify. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says that, but if you by the Spirit of God do mortify the deeds of the flesh, then you shall live. The Spirit of God wears us as a glove. And in another sense, you can say you wear him. You cannot kill the deeds of the flesh with your own hand. The Spirit of God has to be the one that will help you to kill it. If you mortify by the Spirit the deeds of the flesh, if you mortify, the responsibility is your own. The Holy Spirit is the one that will do the killing for you. But you have to engage him first. Romans 8.13 So you need to get rid of these attitudes and habits. This is where, when you get rid of them, that's when the fruit of the Spirit will begin. Because will begin to grow in your life. How does he get rid of them? By inculcating the fruit of the Spirit in your life. When God is removing something, he's putting something. There's no vacuum. So when God is saying get rid of unforgiveness, he's saying embrace love. When God is saying get rid of, of, of lying, he's saying embrace truth. When he says get rid of laziness, he's saying embrace faithfulness. When he says get rid of arrogance, he's saying embrace gentleness. So, the Spirit of God cultivates this fruit, and that's why it is mortified. It's a process. It's not a gift. You can't have the gift of the Spirit and be and be un, un, uncultured, uncultivated in your heart, and you can't go far because by their fruit you shall know them, not by their gift. Hallelujah. Number seven, God released the promise of his reign. After he removed all those things, he did not forgive the promise of the reign because as long as those prophets of Baal were still alive, as long as those prophets of Achilles were still alive, Israel was still very close to falling away. Do you know how many years Jezebel has been preparing those? She has been feeding them every day. They ate at the table. They ate at the table of Jezebel. Ahab was king for 22 years. Probably this was when she was about 16 or 18 years or 20 years. They've been eating. Those prophets would have been fat and robust and the children of Israel, Israel would have been scrawny and looking like the, the seven sheep in, in Joseph's dream. The seven cow in Joseph's dream. In Pharaoh's dream. They were robust people. So when they, the, the, the people saw that Oh, he is God. Then Elijah gave the word of faith. Grab those, grab those prophets of Baal. Imagine like maybe 300,000 Israelites. Where did they want to run to? When Elijah shows them, these are the people that are causing problem. They grabbed them, took them to Shion, and they killed 850 of them on that day. On that day, then God said yes. Why? Because... First of all, the blood, and you know Elijah would have been angry because they have killed his brothers, the prophets, the sons of the prophet. So, he would have been doing that job with delight. In that generation, killing was permitted. We are not permitted to kill now. We want to kill, kill, in, kill in the spirit. Not in the physical. We are only permitted to be killed. <laughs> Glory to God. Let me put a balance to that. Christians are permitted to kill. But you know how? By getting on that mountain that is permitted. The mountain of authority. The mountain of politics. God is our king. God is our judge. God is our lawgiver. If you are a policeman and you are a Christian and armed robbers come into your place, you have the right to kill them. Soldiers have the right to kill terrorists. Yes or no? 
some people are called to that place it's because the Christians that are on that place and on that mountain are not doing what they are supposed to do they are killing the innocent and leaving the unjust the king has the authority to kill from God do you know that? so we, 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 we lack understanding we are shouting crying for when others are sending their people down to to, to military you say no ah my children will not die some of your children were born to go and fight there they won't die that mountain did david die you know how many people david killed david you see they that live by the sword we die by the sword but david didn't die by the sword even was the killing of Uriah the Hittite that was the thing that could have killed the Hittite or the Hittite that was the only thing that could have killed him. when he killed Uriah God said I gave you this I gave your master this thing but the sword will not leave you out of all the Moabites that David has been killing the Ammonites that David has been killing the Philistines that he has been killing their blood does not count Abby. David was a bloody man that when he wanted to build the temple of God God said no your hands is blood that's the only thing God refused but God didn't accuse him of killing them because he was he was bringing the judgment of God. There are warriors that have been ordained with that spirit as Christians to go into 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 war. And when they kill him, the authority of the king of the land, because the president of the is the king of the land and he is the commander in chief of the armed forces, he gives them authority, he gives them instruction. That's why they cannot say. Well, let's let's look at another. Let's look at number. So God, number seven, God releases the promises of his reign after you have removed those perversions from your life. And promise is not actualization, even though in the spirit is as good as it. God promised him a total abundance of rain. When the fire has fallen and you have gotten all these things, then God begins to release mighty prophecies into your life. He begins to tell you, I have sent you to do this. I will do this for you. The nations will hear your voice. It is to encourage you to keep on going. Because the things that are holding back have been removed. And lastly, after intercession, Elijah, the intercession of Elijah, God sent the rain. Hallelujah. The rain of your purpose will fall when you have gone through these steps. That is when God begins to announce you in the nations. That is when your business begins to go into different countries. That is when your music begins to go across the continent. That is when they begin to elect you into position. That is when your family ministry begins to blossom and many families are restored. But before the rain, the altar must be built. Before the rain, the sacrifice must be killed. Before the rain, the water must be poured. Before the rain, the fire must fall. Before the rain, the perversions must be removed. Before the rain, the prophecies must come. The distance between number one to number eight, where God challenges you and all that you rebuild it, can be 25 years. And that is when you started early. David was anointed king of Israel by Samuel. When he was probably less than like 13 or so, but he was not king till he was 30, and he was not king over Israel till he was 37 and a half, 24 years thereabout. Moses, even though Moses jumped the gun and had a mistake, I don't want us to go into that, I don't want us to lose.
the atmosphere of God. But there's a time. It's time for us to go to God. You have heard what it takes to rebuild your altar. <clears throat> you have heard what it takes to rebuild your altar. What is God saying to you? <clears throat> 